Okay, I kind of thought outside the box a little bit when I decided who I was going to talk to today. And this all started with my fascination of a certain (laughs) reality show that's on TV. (laughs) And it's RuPaul's Drag Race. And I absolutely love watching this show because I love any transformation shows. Because especially as we move into you know, 2012 and all of that, everybody is transforming. So I thought to myself, do I know any drag queens? And I thought, you know, I remember there was someone on the air here in Detroit named Trixie Deluxe. And that is who we have on the line, who, of course, is also Ed Dobsky. Hello, Ed. Hey, Lisa. How are you? I am fantastic. So tell me, how did you start in Detroit? How did they approach you about, hey, would you like to be in radio as Trixie? Well, it all started back in 1989, I think it was, Mm -hmm. um, when I was going to Eastern Michigan University, and there is a place called Performance Network that's still up and running out there. Oh, my gosh. And they were doing this uh, musical called Drag, and it was about drag queens behind stage, and it was written by a local gentleman who had passed away from AIDS, and his friends got together, found the script, and decided to mount the production, and I tried out for the part of Trixie. Hmm. Um, And I was awarded that part, and because of that part, she didn't have a last name, so the costumer, Demetrius, and the hair person, Drew, came up with Deluxe because I was a large man. Mm -hmm. And that's where Trixie Deluxe was born, and I did the play, or the musical, for um, the run of the musical, and then the Nectarine Ballroom in Ann Arbor called me and said, we want you to MC Mr. Nectarine as your character in the musical drag. So I was like, sure. And they paid me, um, and I emceed the pageant. And I said, hey, I'm a working actor that's getting paid. I'm going to do this, you know, as a hobby. It started out as a hobby. Mm-hmm. And that's how I started in drag. Wow. And and how did that translate into being put on the radio? Um, that translated years later, because the radio thing came about in 1996. Mm-hmm. At that time, um, RuPaul had a morning radio show on w, um, KTU in New York City. Mm-hmm. And so the radio station there, 91DRQ, had just switched back from Light FM, and they were looking for something over the top. <laughs> and so from my understanding, they called one of the bars, and the bar gave three different names, three different impersonator names. Mm-hmm. So I got a call one night, and she told me her name was Lisa Rodman. Mm-hmm. Um, who I later found out was the, um, the uh, head of the radio station, the program Program director. director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been so long, I forget the title. (laughs) The program director, and she said, you know, we want you to come in for this audition. Um, I can't tell you what the audition's for. All I can tell you is we're a large media corporation that deals with television, radio, movies, and music. Mm -hmm. And that's all she would say. And so I was like, okay. And I do remember the first thing I asked her, 
I said, is this for porn? <laughs> because, you know, when they don't tell you what it's for right. and they're being elusive <laughs> and they tell you that they want you to come down in drag at nine in the morning to the Doubletree Hotel in Southfield. That just, you know, to me, that reads porn. It sounds shady. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, no, I can definitely tell you it's not porn. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, because that ain't my thing. <laughs> so then, um, so the three of us went down. It was like two days later. Um, and I got to be a little Charlie's Angelish in the car on the way there. Oh. Because I decided, I'm like, okay, we know what room it is. We know it's at the Doubletree Hotel. So I called on my phone and I'm like, Yes, this is Trixie Deluxe, and I have a meeting in room blah, blah, blah at 9 o'clock a.m., and I forgot my portfolio on the plane because I just flew in. Biggest lie in the world, (laughs) but thank God I'm an actor. Right. I said, could you please tell me the company that rented out that room that I'm meeting? And she said, oh, yes, sir, it's Viacom. I said, thank you. (laughs) And at that time, WDRQ was owned by Viacom. Right, right. So I said, okay, it's Viacom, so it's not porn, we're fine. We're good, we're good. Yeah, because also, you know, I've always carried a man purse. Ah, very nice. And because because it was in a hotel room and because they wouldn't tell us who it was, and now I never carry weapons, I've never carried a weapon in my life, (laughs) but I put a butter knife in my purse. (laughs) Because that'll do some damage. Just in case, at least I got an implement, but I didn't want something sharp to where I might cut myself. Like, you know, I was trying to be protective, but not stupid. Nice. So we went for the interview. It was a three and a half hour interview. And there was three of us. Um, And after the three and a half hour interview, they said, okay, if you guys can go down to the lobby, we're going to talk for a minute. They talked. They came back down. And they said, we'd like to offer the job to you, Trixie. Wow. And I said, okay. And I was flabbergasted. <laughs> and that was on a Friday. And I had my first day on air was Monday. Wow. I had never been on the radio before. <laughs> I had no clue what I was getting into. Um, I remember driving home that Friday. And at that time, I was going to Washtenaw Community College. Mm-hmm. And I had one class to go before I got my associate. Well, I had to quit that because of the, you know, couldn't do that and be on the radio because the class was at the same. I quit my job at the Nectarine Ballroom as the door person Mm -hmm. and started on radio that Monday. And the rest is history, as they say. And And I do remember being so nervous on my way to work (laughs) that first day that I had to pull over and puke. (laughs) I pulled over... Behind a uh, gas station. Yes. Puke felt so much better. I've never been so nervous in my life. Oh, wow. And then for a performer, I mean, you know, you it is a different type. It's a different animal being behind a microphone. And people think, oh, it probably isn't that nerve wracking. But it is. Even, even though you can't, is. you know, see the people, you still know that they are all out there. Now, one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you, because to me, why I picked this and why I like drag is because it seems so freeing. It seems like when you put on this persona, just you can do anything. You can conquer the world. So what is it about when you become Trixie? What does that do for you? 
Um, it pays my bills. <laughs> That's what it does for me. That's I honest. mean, when I, for me, drag, I'm not a transsexual. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I've been born in the wrong body. Um, I'm not a transvestite, and I don't do this for sexual uh, feeling or anything. Mm-hmm. To me, um, getting in drag and performing is no different than working at Walt Disney World and being Mickey Mouse for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's a total costume. It's a total, um, you know, it's a paying acting role. Okay. And it's something that I've done. This will be my, um, next month will be my 21st year of doing female impersonation. Wow. And I can truly say I've been employed all 21 years making money. As a matter of fact, you know, I moved down to Florida because of the economy in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I moved down to Florida, which changed my whole life because I went from being a professional female impersonator and that was my career and now I'm a nationally certified activity director in a skilled nursing home. Wow. Um, so it's, yeah. But two and a half years ago, 515 in Royal Oak um, called me and employed me uh, for Drag Queen Bingo every other Saturday, the first and third Saturday of every month. Mm-hmm. So now for the past two and a half years, I've been flying back to Michigan and working there and then working at Stilettos also in Inkster. Wow. So it's all been, so you know, that, that's a lot of employment coming from that particular part of your life. Now, are you in, currently in a relationship? Nope, nope. Single as can be. So if anybody um, <laughs> would like an application, you can call Lisa on... <laughs> You, this radio station, and she'll be screening your call. And we'll, we'll hook you up. Um, because I always just wondered what someone would think when they say, oh, who are you date? Oh, I'm dating a female impersonator. <laughs> it's in the gay community. Mm-hmm. It's a very different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of um, other female impersonators that I've talked to, you know, kind of run into the same thing. You either get people who are really, really into it and really love it, mm-hmm. or you get a lot of, you know, the gay men going, well, you want to be a woman. I don't want to date you. I want to date a man. <laughs> and they can't understand that it's a costume. Right. And like you they said, just, it, somebody wouldn't say, I want to be, Mickey, you know, like someone who's dating someone who dressed yeah. up as Mickey Mouse wouldn't say, oh, you want to be a mouse, so I can't date you. You know, exactly. yeah, that makes and it I, sense. I equate it. I always use McDonald's as my thing in terms of if I worked at McDonald's and I had to have my polyester uniform on, <laughs> you're not going to date me because I'm in a McDonald's outfit. Yeah. You know, so. but, you know, I chalk it up to, well, their loss, you know. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, I have dated people um, in the past and drag is not an issue because. They understand that I'm an actor, mm-hmm. and this is, you know, it's bought me two houses and three cars. and Nice. You know, have nice. A, it's afforded me a nice life until the economy went to hell in a handbasket. Absolutely. No, when, you know, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, within the gay community and all of that, and it, all of this has, has been in the news, and congratulations to New York for, you know, legalizing gay marriage. And, you know, then there's this whole other 
dark side of teens that have been dealing a, a lot with this in their high schools and colleges about being bullied. So when did you know that you were gay? I've always known that I was gay. Mm-hmm. Um, my whole life. I've never questioned it. It's who I was. Like Lady Gaga said, I was born this way. <laughs> um, I, my mom tells me the story, which I don't remember. But I guess in first grade, we, uh, you know, you write like a book of I like, like I like dogs. And then you draw a picture of a dog. Like a lot of people do that, you know, in first grade. Mm-hmm. Well, she showed me this book years later after I had come out and all that. And one of my pages was, I like men in beards. <laughs> and she said, she said, at the time, I didn't think much of it. She said, but then it kind of, after you came out and all that, it was kind of like, oh, okay, maybe that's what that means. Mm-hmm. Was it difficult for you to come out at all? And who did you tell first? Um, it, I wouldn't per se say it was hard to come out, I, but it was. Like, I d- didn't want to come out to my parents till I was 30. That way I could be on my own, financially secure, just in case you never know what happened. Mm-hmm. Like, not saying my parents would disown me, but the subject of na- gay never came up in our household, mm-hmm. you know. So, basically, I kind of told my sister at first I was bisexual. Okay. And I was 18 at the time because I thought, well, if I say I'm bi, at least, you know, she won't, like, freak out or whatever. Right. Well, she kind of freaked out. And then um, and then I said to her, well, okay, really, I'm gay. I'm not really interested in women at all. Um, you know, I can respect them, but there's no attraction. Mm-hmm. And I said, but please don't tell mom and dad because I don't know how they'll react, blah, blah, blah. So... About a month later, we traveled down to Florida on vacation, and I was with my dad in the car going somewhere, and my dad just said, um, i got to talk to you about something. And I thought, oh, here it comes. <laughs> and I said, yeah. He goes, well, your sister said you were gay. I said, yep, I knew it. <laughs> she told. <laughs> oh, she opened the book and let it out. But you know, And I said, yeah. Yeah. Well, your parents, so they, I mean, if your dad was comfortable enough to actually say that to you, it sounds like they were supportive. Well, yes and no. Okay. Like he said to me, um, he said, well, I know that you're born this way. I know that there's nothing we can do to change it. So if you have any questions, you know, come to me and ask me. And if I don't know, you know, I'll find out. And I'm thinking to myself, well, what the hell are you going to know about me? <laughs> um, He said, but your mom's having a hard time, so please don't say anything to her. Mm. And I said, okay, not a problem. And, you know, and everything was okay. And, you know, I heard, you know, she cried and all that. And then I became the president of the local LGBT um, student organization at Eastern Michigan University. And then told her that, and she cried more. And Mm. Then, you know, over the years, and it didn't take long, you know, she kind of accepted it. And, you know, they have been very supportive my whole life. I'm very, very fortunate because there's a lot of kids out there Mm -hmm. who aren't as fortunate. And unfortunately, you know, they're kicked out of their home. They're, you know, um, 
probably ostracized by friends and, you know, certain, yeah, things like, so what would you say to someone who was going through the process of I'm getting ready to come out and I already know I'm not going to get a favorable response? I say be yourself and it gets better. It really does get better. And, and, and I think as America progresses, you know, now I think, and don't quote me, but I think we're up to six states that legalize gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just, you know, it's going to continue on um, and it's going to get easier. Yeah. And when you said it gets better, that brings up um, the website, itgetsbetter.org. And uh-huh. for somebody out there who is you know, trying to understand themselves and try to understand how to do this. You're not alone. And if you go to itgetsbetter.org, you're going to see all kinds of videos of people who have come out and who are living, you know, healthy, fantastic, vibrant lives. And, and like, you know, Ed, Trixie just said, it does get better, even if you have people that do not support you. Did you lose any friends over this? No, I surprisingly not a one. Hmm. That's not fabulous. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm very fortunate, you know. Um, growing up, you know, I had a small group of friends, you know, and, it, you know, I was in the whole punk rock, new <laughs> wave movement, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it. I never lost any friends. I never, I've been very fortunate that it's never been a negative for me like I've seen with some people. Mm-hmm. I've been very, very, very fortunate. So if someone's getting ready to take that step and they're like, okay, at least they've made the decision that they're going to come out, um, who do you think should be the first person that they tell? Um, you know, truly, I can't say that. Because for some people, it might be their mom. For some people, it might be their dad. For some people, it might be, you know, their pastor. For some people, it could be their best friend or their best friend's mom. And for some people, it might be the person handing out the stickers in the front of Walmart. <laughs> I mean, it really depends on the person. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anybody who can say, you know, this is the textbook way of coming out. Um, what did it feel like? The, when you made the decision, did you feel freedom? Did you feel scared? What Right after you said it, what did you feel like? I felt you feel scared. You do feel scared. And then once it's out there, it's like a relief. It's like I don't have to hide this anymore. Mm-hmm. So you do get that scared. And then you're like, well, it is what it is. And it's going to be what it's going to be. So here it is. Mm. And then, and it, it is a big, big relief off your shoulders. Yeah. Because then you can just be who you are and you're like, well, if you don't accept me, then I just have to make different provisions in my life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that I mean, and this is all great advice and it doesn't just deal with someone who's gay and coming out. If there is something in your life that you want to reveal or go after. Maybe it's somebody who's, you know, stuck behind a desk in a nine to five job and they would rather be, you know, singing in a club or part of a band. You know, when you're denying a part of yourself that has a very strong pull to be able to like break free and say, guess what? This is what I want to do or this is who I am. 
That's what that's what all of this is about. And it's why, you know, I asked Ed to come on because, you know, I sometimes do look, like I said, at drag queens and saying, wow, it looks like they're having such fun. And besides, I love all the costumes and makeup. How you learn how to do that is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That comes with a lot of years and a lot of listening and learning. I that's words well well taken and by the way a quick happy birthday to you today's your birthday thank you i appreciate it <laughs> 41 years old i never okay. thought i'd be middle-aged scary but it's all good listen middle age doesn't come till 50 and beyond you <laughs> yeah that, that's a big fat lie just so you know all you people listening that's a big fat lie at 40 year old you're middle-aged i love the your way you body- you're calling yeah, me out on that, Trixie. Your body starts failing. You're starting to get gray hair. Your back hair triples. <laughs> Believe me, you're you're stepping on a banana peel. Do you have your readers yet? Do you have to hold newspapers really far away from you yet? Oh, no, but I have worn glasses for years. Oh, all right, because that's something. Well, I really want to thank you for being here today and sort of, you know, putting people on the right path to embracing who they are and just push forward with it. Be, you know, excited about that part of your life, this next step, especially as we move into 2012 when there's going to be huge changes in the world and you can be part of it. Thank you so much, Ed. Thank you. And thanks everybody for choosing to be positive now.